Welcome to the In Contention Podcast. I am your host, Ruben Bressler, alongside Joey Pasco. Hey, everybody. And Matt Cranstuber. Good afternoon. Uh, this is our this is our first show as an official podcast of Star City Games. Uh, for those of you that don't know much about us, we are sort of a we're a weekly look at the world of Magic. Pretty much everything from Star City Games open results to Grand Prix results to the rumor mill to uh, opinions and analysis. And uh, every week we show up and we argue and Cranny tries to ban some cards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, what, that's 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 what we do. Yeah, we're a Magic Friday show. Yeah, exactly. So tune in every week, and we will try to be entertaining and somewhat informative. Um, uh, so you can uh, follow us at In Contention on Twitter. And this is, as we said, we're brought to you by StarCityGames.com. This coming weekend is the Invitational in Indianapolis, Indiana. You can follow the coverage at SCGLive.com, where the hosts will be Matthias Hunt, Jacob Van Lunen, and I don't see who the third commentator is here. Oh, it's me. Oh, fantastic. Well, I should probably get moving on packing then. So uh, we're going to have a great time there. The prize pool is $75,000 paid down to 64th place. Uh, so you can you know, just sort of casually walk away with the $50 you showed up with if you get 64th. So you can go to starcitygames.com slash open underscore series for more information. Uh, there will also be an open in standard and open in legacy and because it's the invitational the return of draft opens there's going to be three draft opens so uh feel free to uh to write us and to talk about the uh the star city open series and the invitational uh two of us will be there one of us will be watching from home and uh we're all going to have our eyes on that tournament so it's going to be a good time Invitational. Wow, I can't believe that we already have another one already. I know. Just... It seemed it seemed like really recently we just had an Invitational, but I guess it, it was like three months ago. Yep. It was in end of March. Yeah. It's actually just one of my favorite tournaments. Like I, I love uh, uh, multi-format tournaments, and especially if they involve non. Uh, like I, I think that watching draft coverage is kind of boring sometimes i love yeah. it when it involves like you know modern and, and legacy so what i would like to see the invitational this is just a personal opinion is have it, it would be, you would need three decks so i guess it wouldn't really be that good but you uh, have four rounds of standard four rounds of legacy then the next day is four rounds of draft four rounds of modern and then top eight standard yeah just run it like the old like we'll do like the invitational right where they just have all yeah, these exactly can we can we just have uh, one time like Urza's Legacy, oh uh, you know, block or Urza's Saga block constructed? God, no, actually, it would be really cool to see like bring your own block. I, yeah, I think I would bring like your to own see set. That yeah. That, All right, so Granny, crazy. run down the hashtags for us. All right, so we got we got a good list of uh, topics to discuss this week. We have SCGMA, which is actually happening right now. They had a pretty good turnout this weekend, so yeah. got some decks to talk about. Then uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the World Magic Championship. Uh, there's a, a couple qualifying events this weekend, and we have some deck lists to talk about. Then we have the Star City Invitational that we'll talk about some of the decks that uh, we would like to play and we think we'll see show up. And then talk a little about M13 and some other happenings in Magic. So, Yeah, uh, just kind of... Um... Kind of running the the whole the whole bit of you know, the gauntlet here. Running running the gauntlet, yeah. So, um, yeah. What, what do you guys want to start with? You want to start with SCG Worcester happening right now? Since Worcester, know, Worcester. SCG Worcester, Worcester. Is that like, our? That's, that's gonna be wicked awesome. <laughs> <laughs> what was that, Cranny? 
that's like the Adam Sandler uh, comedy CD. I, I might it might just be dating myself here. I'll just skip it entirely. But uh, yeah, so we had they had over 500 people for the standard portion of um, the uh, open yesterday, which meant it was 10 rounds, 10 grueling rounds of Swiss with the cut to top eight. Uh, I believe the top eight started playing out around uh, midnight, approximately. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty and, late. Uh, so, uh, yeah, they had like 504 players, which is just unbelievable. We saw just under 500 for last weekend's Open. So very consistent uh, turnouts for these Opens in spite of um, what some would call maybe a little bit of a stale metagame. Sure. Uh, so that's uh, – there's people, people still willing to either trudge through the – Lack of innovation, or, or others who just want to get out and play some magic. So yeah, maybe right. a lot of people that just enjoy playing Delver. I mean, it's it's probably not as miserable uh, as playing some of the other decks that we've seen in, in past years. And actually, yeah, the Delver Mirror is actually a really interactive, skill based. There's a bunch of sub games that you have to play. Like it's it's a very interesting mirror match, and and that's one of the reasons why I don't think that players are too upset about it. Like. The problem, of course, being that everyone's playing the same deck. That's always a problem, but the people that have decided to play Delver aren't complaining about the mirror match. Well, and unlike other blue-based decks that have been kind of the... uh, The villain? uh, Yeah, the villain of the format. um, We don't have cards like Stoneforge Mystic, Jace, Bitter Blossom, that when resolved... Depending on what your position is, you're just going to win. Um, they're the first player to resolve them wins, and uh, Delver's not like that. Especially when you when you have cards like Vapor Snag, Restoration Angel. Um, it, 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 even a turn one Delver flipped on turn two doesn't mean you're going to win um, like it did maybe you know a few months ago. I, I, it, it, to me, it seems like uh, in in a lot of cases, actually, Adrian Sullivan and Zach Hall talking today in coverage that um, and or talking uh, on Saturday on coverage that a lot of players are just boarding out Delvers in the mirror yeah. because they're, they're your worst card. Like you want to board in like these big beefy, right. You, you want know. to be the control deck. So yeah. you take out your one drop. So that makes sense. Yeah. And it's interesting because you bring that up and we saw Sam black, uh, come up with a Delver list, Delver list, right. Delver got deck. second at the world magic cup qualifier. Yeah. He wrote about it in his article. Uh, it was, there were a couple people playing it yesterday. I did see uh, Bryce Menard beat Matt Costa on camera in, I believe, round three or four uh, playing. It, it was Matt Costa was on Delver, and uh, and Bryce was on the the Sam Blacklist. And, um, you know, it in that particular situation, the Sam Blacklist prevailed. Uh, but looking at the top eight, <laughs> I don't see the Sam Blacklist. Right. I don't see blue, white, and mid-range listed here unless, you know, one of these decks is misnamed or something. Um, right. Well, the Sam Black has a history of coming up with good decks for one tournament, and then that deck never does anything ever again. Yeah, from what? That's that's what his history is. I mean, he he's very – like, he, he won a car or something mm-hmm. with a Boggart shenanigans deck that no one ever played <laughs> ever again. Uh, the only deck I – seem to remember that he he championed that people then started actually playing with was Doran Doran during mm. extended a couple of years ago um, but then the rest of them like that like the walking dead deck didn't really catch on for legacy right um, you know he's, he's got a history of, of building these these interesting decks that, that take an interesting take on the metagame running through a field of those decks and then the next week it's just gone 
Yeah, from what I, I saw, some discussion on Twitter between Bryce and a couple other people. He he actually, you know, piloting Sam's list said he thinks he rather had played uh, played Delver. He feels like, you know, he wasn't he wasn't sold, even though it was it was sold enough to take it to the tournament, but wasn't sure. wasn't sold after however many rounds he ended up playing. So for the uh, second week in a row now. We have a mostly Delver top eight. I think last in, in Star City Games uh, uh, opens. Right. Last week in Columbus, I think we had four Delvers in the top eight. Is that right? That's that's right. This week yes. we have six again. In the top eight uh, uh, again. Right, because there were six the previous week when Jerry right. won. Were, exactly. But for the second straight week, we have a Solar Flare winner. Jeremy Dombeck has a a Sun Titan. This one is a is a much cleaner list looking at least than uh, than uh, Mike Belfado's last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this deck has Tamios and Gideons as well as I believe I don't believe that uh, uh, Mike had Day of Judgments. I could be wrong, but he's uh, uh, Jeremy has two main deck. Uh, so what do you guys think about this this uh, Solar Flare list? Um, I like it. The the only card that. To me, I, I was actually excited to see in this compared to uh, Belfi's list was to see Timia the Moon Sage, right? Just because I like that card a lot, but it's it's not very good against Delver. Like it's just kind of, I mean, it's a it's a five mana prison term basically. Yeah. yeah. And um and actually he was when he was interviewed, he actually said it was the worst card in in the deck and that he he would replace it with something else. Um, but like. I imagine that, that that would have been a really good card to have against pretty much any non-blue deck in the format. So I I, I like it. I think it's a it's a sharp-looking list, and um, I like that he ran Evolving Wilds. It's actually kind of funny because I, I started building up um, Belfato's list, and the one thing that I changed is I, I actually added Evolving Wilds because I, I liked having access to um, the other basics rather than use more... Um, Fast lands or, or, or uh, M lands, mm-hmm. and uh, so I, I. And it also seems good, like when you're running Ponder, to be able to shuffle. And I mean, you, you, it's it's a little bit of utility, but I think it's enough that uh, it, it merits playing it. So I I, I like that, uh, it, and it also lets you maximize in your M lands, so that your M lands are always going to come into play untapped. Um, because it, it, one thing that we've seen frequently on camera, which is actually kind of funny where the Esper player has, like, nine lands out, and their Glacial Fortresses still come into play tapped. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's, that's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> that's a little awkward. So speaking of decks being on camera, um, one thing that uh, I, I tuned in to, to the coverage, and I, and I watched a few rounds, and, and much like tuning into to coverage in previous weeks, it was just kind of like, you know, it, I was hoping to see, like, non-Delver lists and, 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 and watching it. And one thing that we... You know, obviously, it's a much more interesting deck to watch on camera than you know a fairy's mirror or uh, a blue-white stoneforge mirror. But uh, one, one of the things is that you know I don't fault any particular person for ha- you know having to watch these on camera just because the sheer number of Delver players in the room it, it's it's nearly impossible to find somebody who's not in the O2 bracket or. Um, you know, or or just simply just not not in contention to be you know in the in the top eight. So in contention, it, you say? 
<laughs> no, yeah, it's very difficult to find two good players playing two non-Delver decks. Right. However, even with Delver, there are some interesting things that you can do with Delver. Uh, let me let me point out Matt Costa's third play, place list. Without looking at the list, how many? Uh, you know who Matt Costa is? He's a yeah, he, he won the Grand Prix with Delver earlier right. this year, right? Grand Prix Baltimore. How many? Uh, so sword of blank and blank is a fairly important discussion to be had, like sort of feast and famine, sort of war and peace. Which one do you think Matt Costa was running? Without looking. Mm, yeah, you're it, telling me without looking. It's right I, in front of me. I'm just turning my. I already know the answer to that, but if I was going to say if if it was him, I'd probably say he's running sort of white and red, sort of war and peace. Unfortunately, this is a trick question. He's not running any swords. Interesting. Wow. It seemed to so, it seemed to have done him well. I guess. Yeah. How many Geist of St. Traft? Usually that's a four of in most Delver lists. How many sometimes, Geist of... sometimes a three of, maybe? Sometimes maybe. three of, yeah. But, like, the Geist of St. Traft sort of interaction is very important in the Delver mirror. He's got none in his deck. He's got Blade Splicer instead deck, in that spot. He's got four Blade Splicers. So he's got the full Restoration Angel Blade Splicer army in a can, uh, you know, thing happening here. And it's very – like, he's got a very interesting list. He's got two dismembers and a gut shot because he's got plenty of room now that he doesn't have stupid swords in the way. So this is this is about as close to the actual tempo version that you could get to of this deck. Yes. Given that he's running main deck – uh, gut shots. He's got the full four vapor snag, which we've actually seen a lot of players play two to three vapor snags, which is kind of weird to me. But right. Um, and then he's just he's on the curve plan. Like he wants to do something every single turn of the game. And I, I mean, this list is really solid. I, I if I was going to play Delver, I think that I would probably play something very close to this list. I would play something close to this. I don't like this th- this thought scour. I think that this would be better off as another gut shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it's very close or maybe even an unsummon. Like I love having this vapor snag effect in, in a deck like this. Cause you're playing blade splicers on turn three and attacking for a million. You want to get Jerry, any blockers out of the way. Jerry T was saying play one. Ama- is it amass the components? Amass the components. Yeah. In the sideboard, you want to do that because when you have, because ama- the games go real long when you become the control deck and not every time, you know, consecrated Sphinx isn't going to just win you every game. There's only one or two in everybody's sideboard. What you really want to be doing is drawing as many cards as possible because you've got time to, you know, so you can amass the components and then snap cast amass the components. I saw that several times. And so, you know, get all those components and then you're, you're fairly unbeatable. So back to uh, back to the topic at hand. Um, <clears throat> you know, we've uh, we've talked the last few weeks. Uh, for those of you who haven't listened to the show before, being uh, that Star City's uh, the new platform for you, um, the last couple of weeks we've been talking about the um, obviously the dominance of blue based uh, tempo slash aggro slash control decks. Um, we, if you look at the top thirty two ish decks that are here, we can see that. You know, it's a good 90% of the decks are blue-based anything. You know, Control, Delver, Solar Flare, Zombies. Well, Zombies isn't really blue-based, it's black-based. But, um, you know, that's that's definitely driving the metagame. You know, I, I really was kind of expecting to see more... Um, to see more non-blue decks because of Cavern of Souls. And yeah, uh, that, just, that just goes to show you that, like... That that blue doesn't necessarily need to be like doesn't need to be resolving counter spells to be winning games. So well, it's, it's interesting know. because like if you look at this, take Delver out of here and then start counting the blue decks because I mean Solar Flare won, but then you have Wolf Run, Soul Run Ramp. 
Uh, you have you have blue black zombies, which I think is more black blue zombies if you want to think yeah. about it. it. It hinges mostly on black cards. It has a few blue cards. You know, another solar flare, green red aggro. So I mean, uh, yeah, the rest of the metagame when you take Delver out of the equation, it's healthy. It is is very healthy. It's uh, you know, there's a lot of Wolf Run ramp, of course, but then there's also red green aggro. Uh, red black, the zombie aggro red black version, I think is actually better than the blue black version. Um, and then Carrie Oliver won her world magic qualifier with a mono green deck, you know. And so, like, there's there's lots of decks still out there that I think people are just sort of sitting on Delver because they're afraid to try anything new. We actually saw the the first uh, match featured on Saturday was Jackie Lee, and I'm sorry the name escapes me of her opponent, uh, but Jackie Lee was playing mono green. So yeah, her opponent was uh, I was gonna say Erica something maybe Emily. It was Emily something, uh, which I was I actually found it notable because I'm like, hey, look, two two females playing Magic featured, and I thought that's yeah, great. yeah, sure. Um, what round was this? I I believe it was round. Uh, it may have just been round one, right? Oh, yeah, I think round so. One or two. Uh, you know, we could I can bring up the SCG live Twitter feed and see the uh, opponents. I want to try this mono green deck, by the way. This deck right, has. So- What's the second revenge on? of the hunted in it? Well, okay, now I have to hear the rest of the list. What's okay? What <laughs> we have twenty-two forests. That is the end of the land. Wow! Uh, four land war elves, four bird of paradise, four strangle guys, four dungrove elder, four wolfer avenger. So we've got our base green, you know, ex- early drops, and of course we've got four green sun zenith. Then. We've got a, a Thrun the Last Troll, a Viridian Corruptor, and a Bellowing Tangleworm to be able to green sun for, as well as two Wolfer Silver Hearts. Then we get to the spell. Oh, no, we have two uh, Phyrexian Metamorph as well. Now we get to the spells. Two Beast Within. All right, that's fine. Two Sword of War and Peace. I might like three, but okay. Three Revenge of the Hunted. What? Like, yeah, I have to look that up. <laughs> that card's awesome. <laughs> So that's so, the Miracle plus six plus oh, six lure. That's the Miracle yeah. plus six plus six gains trample and lure. Yeah. As See, a picture of the guy just stomping a vampire's castle. Right. It's just like, hey, I'm going to kick over your castle. Yeah, well, you know, sometimes. <laughs> so, yeah, that deck's very well positioned right now because look how many guys with uh, Hexproof you have in your deck. You have four Dungrove Elders and a Throne of the Last Troll. So they, they can't Vapor Snag the thing that you've just uh, made revenge. You know what I mean? Um, so I think that that's, that's an interesting thing. I'm going to play this deck all the time, by the way. This is the deck I'm going to play. This deck's awesome. So are you, you're looking at Carrie Oliver's list or Jackie Lee's list? I'm looking at Carrie Oliver's list. Okay. And was Jack, how close was Jackie Lee's list? I guess we don't have Jackie. I don't, Lee's I don't have Jackie's right list. Okay. Uh, yesterday, I just, just to get her opponent's name correctly, um, is Emily Carrig was, uh, playing white, red humans versus, Jackie Lee's mono green aggro, and uh-huh. that was, I believe that was in round, uh, it was either round one or two, it, it may have been like the second featured match, because the first uh, the first one was Darwin Castle versus Ben Friedman, which, oh, wow. you know, kind of a old, old school it versus new school. Yeah. yeah. So that one, I guess their match finished early, and then went to, uh, to Jackie and Emily, but anyway, in case you guys might want to go back and watch. And yeah, and a, all of the coverage is archived on scg.com or starcitygames.com. All the all the old videos are there. You can go back and watch uh, Emily v. Jackie. You can go back and watch Caitlin beat Jerry Thompson, 
with uh, Chroma's Memorials. New go classic. back in time and yeah, that's the classic. You can go back in time and watch any of those. So you can find those at StarCityGames.com or SCGLive.com. Also or SCGLive.com. Yep. Twitch TV slash SCGLive. I think has a lot of them uh, before before the archives are up. Like uh, they're not like split. As easy, as they're not as easily to uh, navigated, I guess. Right, but anyway, so let's, let's let's talk about another person that's a big fan of Delver that recently won a World Magic Cup qualifier. Yeah. The new Captain America, Luis <laughs> Scott Vargas, won a World Magic Cup qualifier and is now on the United States team. He's, what do you think of that? That's awesome. He's been on the national team before. He he won national. Sure, he is. But it's, this is this, this is a different national. It certainly is. Yeah, this is not the same style of, of national team, but it's very exciting. Yeah, uh, LSV joins Brian Kibler on the U.S. team. Uh, I don't know and, who else. And Alex Binnick, who defeated Sam Black with his Delverless Delver. He was okay. playing was playing all of the Colorless Lands version of uh, Wolf Run Ramp. He was playing four Cavernous Falls, four Glimmer Post, and then some amount of Ink Moth Nexus and Keswick Wolf Run. I think he had, <laughs> I think he had two... Nexus and one Wolf Run, eleven colorless lands in his Wolf Run deck. It's nice. Wolf Run good, I think, where yeah, you, you're able to good. cast spells. <laughs> yeah, he said it was very important for him to play a turn three cavern and name Golem to be able to play his Solemn. Turn four, be able to play another cavern naming Giant and play his Titan. Wow, I guess that's reasonable if you're if you're playing us to just not care about the first four turns of the game. Then that seems fine. One of the stories that happened apparently was that he had a, a um, he had a cavern of souls in play naming human that he had used earlier to play Huntmaster. It just sat in play for a little while while his opponent had a ghost quarter until he top decked a zealous conscripts to steal a Karn liberated that had enough counters on it to restart the game with his two mountains underneath of it. So he started the next game with a soul ring, and uh, wow! So that that's a thing that happened. <laughs> oh, I love that's it. Story. He doesn't, was, play, he doesn't even play Karn, and he got to... Uh, yeah, know. his opponent played Karn. He, his opponent was sitting on Manalik, Manalik, Dissipate, and he played a, count, a uh, uncounterable Zealous Conscripts. That is wow. the scariest combo to me in Standard. Uncounterable Zealous no. Conscripts. Absolutely, yeah. I saw a great Conscripts play yesterday on camera uh, in which uh, there was a Planeswalkers player, uh, Esper Planeswalkers, who had Gideon Jura, Soren and, like, had a pretty reasonable hand and uh, proceeded to tick Soren up to six. And then the opponent stole the Soren, ultimated the Soren, took control of Gideon Jura in a token, and then wow. he, he ended up winning the game by attacking with Gideon Jura. Nice. Just like, oh, my gosh. And, and, it, and you could kind of, like, see it coming. It was almost like, uh, like watching a car crash in slow motion. Like, you could see, like, when he ticked Soren up to five, yeah. He's like, okay, he's red green. Like, you know that he's going to play the conscripts. Like, this is just this is not going to end well at all. Jeez. So, yeah, yeah. Well it, it seems like that's what happens with zealous conscripts. Like, it's always. It seems like it just always steals a planeswalker about to go ultimate. We saw it yeah. in, on camera in Madison. Uh, Ken Burl playing like a blue white blink deck has Venser. You know, ticks him up just ready to go ultimate, and his opponent's like, "Yep, zealous conscripts, ultimate your Venser." Yep. <laughs> Thanks. That's exactly right. And I think, well, we, we've talked in the past about conscripts being something that will really shape the way standard plays out. And I think that 
I, I still stand by that statement, and uh, mostly once Delver goes away, once Delver yes. becomes because Delver's the big deck right now, and all it has is you know three power flyers. They're not very exciting to steal. If you can steal planeswalkers, if you can steal titans, well, the idea steal, is you know once you take away the once you take away uh, like the Delver deck, if as that sort of like dissipates and either becomes a bigger, clunkier Planeswalker deck, he obviously becomes better. But certainly getting rid of Mana Leak out of the format... Absolutely. It, it will will make the stock of uh, Conscripts go up. Um, well, that's a good segue. We can move on to our M13 talk. Because yeah, let's Man do Leak's, that. Mana Leak's going away. Uh, and what we have replacing it is the old... I think it was M10 counter package. Is that right? Uh, of about right. Negate, uh, Cancel... And um, S scatter, yeah, remove soul. So, so right. in the in the context of the current standard environment, let's talk about a few cards that we think will make some waves. Like either something that's that's interesting enough that we could build around, or something that its presence in the format or lack thereof will make it shift regardless. So, like, the first example that, that I have that I'm really happy to see come back in uh, is Duress. Yeah, Duress, I think, is a big, big thing that's going to... I mean, Duress has always been good. Yeah. Every single format it's been in, it's been good. I kind of yeah, wish I, it was Inquisition of Kozilek. Well... <laughs> I'll take Duress. We can't put a card with the name Kozilek in the base set, it's unfortunately. Little, yeah. Because it's a very specific reference. We're going back to Alara, so we have all these other Alara-themed things. If we ever go back to... Um, uh, Zendikar, then we, maybe we can put Inquisition of Kozilek in the base set. And you can't print it with a new name, because then you get to run eight of those in Legacy, and that's not okay. Yeah. I think Duress is a fine card, though, especially once the format, again, shifts away from Delver. Even even against Delver, Duress is fine, but uh, the problem is that, you know, Snapcaster Mage it will make most Duresses just not very good. Um, but against every other deck, you can take the Rampant Growths against Ramp, you can take... Uh, Draw spells against Solar Flare. You can take away their their one of O Ring or whatever they need to beat you. And of course, you can take Planeswalkers and you can take uh, Wrath of God effects and Slagstorm. I mean, Duress is a very important card, especially I think to the Zombies deck. I think that Zombies will definitely pick up on Duress. I could see um, like Snapcaster alongside Duress. You know, like I'm oh, gonna, I'm going to him you basically. You yeah, know, but I get to pick what you you lose. <laughs> exactly. And it, yeah, it doesn't cost that much mana to do that. So. Yeah. I mean, turn one, turn one duress. You could do that on turn three without breaking a sweat. Right, reminds you a little of Cabal Therapy, right? Like I yeah. already know what you have, and you know, turn four you can just do it twice. Like you know, duress you, Snapcaster duress you. I like uh, yeah, that I, and it, that's that makes me think. Like I think if duress is in the format right now, I think we we would definitely see a different top eight. Yes, oh, yeah. I I don't think that these these blue decks that really have no way to get like a lot of gas they're relying on these sort of one-off one-for-one removal spells that are very much like okay i've got it or i don't have it it's like if you don't have the vapor snag and your opponent has a bigger dude than you then tough tough luck yeah and i i think duress really kind of levels the playing field and also you know we're not seeing a lot of black i mean we're seeing black as like a splash color for esper and we're seeing it in zombies decks but we're not seeing like black green you know aggro we're not seeing black the way that we saw it back when you know john was was a popular deck and fairies and so i think black needs to get a bone like black needs to have something 
to uh, the disruption is is nice. We lost Inquis- Inquisition of Kozilek, which Joey, you're right. I mean, I would love to see that back, but that's a huge hit to uh, to, to black as a color. So, um, I I think that that duress will really help revitalize black as a as a secondary or even primary color in uh, in mid range decks. So, yeah, one one card that. Uh... I, I kind of mentioned it last week. I just mentioned the name of it, but I, I wanted to bring it up, talk a little bit more about it, is the 5-5 the five, five flyer for one blue. Right. That, well, uh, <laughs> let's, let's not live in magical Christmas land. Hey. We, have to, we have to do some work to get that thing up to a 5-5. Five, five. Right. Jace's like, Phantasm. Jace's, it's a 1-1 one, yeah. one flyer printed on the card, sir. Yes. That uh, gets plus 4, plus 4 as long as your opponent, one of your opponents has 10 or more cards in their graveyard. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, you need some, to do some work because it's you know tough to get somebody to have ten cards in their graveyard. Right. I, I so let's let's think about the decks that threshold. often yeah it, well sort of reverse threshold. Well, let's talk about the decks that often have ten cards in their graveyard. Right. So in standard we got like Solar Flare. Right. Mm-hmm. They got ten cards in their graveyard a lot. They got like Forbidden Alchemy and that's about it. But like Forbidden Alchemy, you know. So uh, is that card good against Solar Flare? I don't know. I mean, here's the. Th- I, I guess I'm I'm trying to look at it from a more broad perspective. It's not a four of, but it's a uh, it's a card. It's another one one for a one one flyer for a blue, that uh, it, which is already just kind of good, right? It's flying men. Sure. Um, and then just kind of maybe gets better depending on what you know what's in your opponent's graveyard. Uh, you know, it, it's too bad you never see Delver List playing Thought Scour. Oh wait. The problem is that you're putting cards in your opponent's graveyard in this format is really dangerous because Sword of Body and Mind would be the best sword that there is Mm -hmm. because it has the best protection colors and getting another animal is huge. But putting 10 cards in your opponent's graveyard is so dangerous. It's just you can't do it. Well, those so, will be in the format together. You can put uh, put Jace's Phantasm down, uh, equip it with the sword, swing, and it just gets big as soon as it hits. I kind of think, like, I take a little bit different take on this guy. Um, you know, we've seen formats in the past where Cloud Sprite has been playable. Now, yeah. it's it's argued that it's uh, it's been playable because it's a tribal card that's good with Spellstarter Sprite and Bitter Blossom, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw even one more card on the same um, power level as Thought Scour to make this card good enough uh, in the in the context that you're still doing, like, your normal game plan and it just happens to be humongous in the late game. Um, so, like, for that reason, I would treat it more like Tomb Stalker than, than I would anything else and just kind yeah, of, like... Yeah, I would agree. Make it, you know, like, you, like, I don't run Tomb Stalker as a four of because it's just, like, awful in the early game and right. it's, like pretty reasonable in the late game well this is like kind of the same thing like except it it has a little bit more of an edge in the early game and that you can just run it out on turn one or you know turn four and uh and it gets big later but you don't have a guarantee of it being a five five so i I like it i think it's a really interesting card and um it it is an illusion and i if we if we had seen uh the uh, the illusion deck i wouldn't have been surprised to see this alongside delver if it was uh the model illusions absolutely so, so one card I did want to mention that is coming back. Uh, that in case Jace's Phantasm does get out of hand, we have Tormod's Crypt, and you'll be removing your own graveyard if somebody else is right, playing that, Phantasm. But 
That's a nice one. Also, I yeah. mean, that's just a good tool against Snapcaster Mage and all of those guys. Yeah. I mean, Torrent Script's pretty much the best graveyard hate that's uh, arguably, um, you know, in the top three graveyard hosers of all time. Yep. And uh, so I'm, I'm happy to see that one come back. It, it's kind of, um, we've had a Nile Spellbomb, and I'm actually surprised that that hasn't seen more play, especially like, I feel like it's got enough utility against Snapcaster decks that I'm surprised we just don't see decks play a couple copies in the main deck if you have access to black. I've, I've seen a couple Solar Flare decks that run well, like one or two uh, total, like one main, one side, and yeah. it's a really good draw engine with uh, Sun Titan also. Like it, mm-hmm. you just draw an extra card every turn, so... So the one thing that we touched on is the, uh, you know, obviously Mana Leak is, is leaving. Uh, we saw a big article from uh, Zach Hill uh, on the Mothership talking about how it's essentially just too good. And uh, it's one of the reasons why we saw Cavern of Souls get printed. And instead of uh, Mana Leak, we're going to have Essence Scatter and Negate. And then uh, probably... And, and assuming, it, we're going to assume that we got canceled. So that definitely changes things up a bit. Um, we've we've had a standard format that didn't have mana leak in it, and these these were all perfectly playable cards. So this changes things up quite a bit. Obviously, the tempo decks they they're probably not going to play essence scatter. They're going to play negate more than anything. Yeah, agree. And 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 even then, I mean, is it is it even that good if you can't be countering cards like zealous conscripts and? Well, you can't you, counter them anyway, Cavern of Souls, right? Oh, <laughs> yeah, so there. Well, at least you know that your negate will always counter a spell. Right. So that I guess that's... that's Assuming that. your Delver opponent doesn't go probe you Delver, turn two Snapcaster, probe you, turn three Geist, turn four Restoration Angel, and you're just sitting there with two negates in your hand, hoping for the best. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I, think, I think if anything I've learned today is that I don't want to play Planeswalkers because they can be countered by negate, and that's going to be the counter spell of choice, and uh, well, they and, can be stolen by Zealous. Zealous. And <laughs> Oh, and duress. Sorry, that's right. Yeah. Don't Man. play Planeswalkers. That's what it sounds Planeswalkers like. Planeswalkers have it rough. Yeah. <laughs> that's a rough so, life. Uh, so there's a, a there's a card that was just spoiled a few days ago that is really interesting, and um, I I will say it, this is probably my favorite green creature since Thrun, and then before that it was probably Primeval Titan, and uh, that is Yeva Nature's Herald, and um, that that card is a green green two. It's a four four with flash, and when it enters, or I'm sorry, it gives all your other green creatures flash. I love it. That card is bonkers. That card's absolutely awesome. It's it is so a, good. Like, especially when um we, we've seen Wolfier Avenger popping up a lot in Green yeah. Decks. And it's been really good. And this card, obviously, you know, not quite as good. It is legendary. Um, it does not regenerate, but being that it offers you sort of like a mini green Teferi effect. I would not be surprised if this card saw a lot of play in standard. I mean, if people are wanting to flash in conscripts with the end of turn trigger on the stack, or like, you know, after we've already resolved end of turn triggers and be able to, you know, get a huge swing in, or I guess you can't flash it in because it's not green, but you can still flash in, you know, any other card that you want. Dungar of Elders. Like Titans. Titans, yeah, Titans, you, you will be able to flash those in for a short while. Just like uh, your opponent's things. like, haha, make you sacrifice your thing with Liliana, and then you flash in a Sigarda, a host of herons, and then your opponent's like, well, this was fun. 
<laughs> glad I'm glad that happened to me. That's a great yeah, example. Uh, yeah, you a, can like flash in random mid combat cigardas and strangle brute geists and uh, like uh, attack you with my guy that has a sword on it. Haha, sword of feast and fam make can't block my guy. Oh, flash in this acidic slime, kill your sword, block your guy. I mean, do we just see? Do we just see like uh, some sort of? You know, creature deck that's got Snapcaster and um, Restoration Angel and then, you know, Green Flash Guy and it's just like Flash Bants. Is that like how oh, this – Oh, man. Deck- flash Bants? Flash Bants. Like, like, like the movie <laughs> where, where – where, where where, I forget what happens in that movie. Is that the uh, one where she dumps water on herself? Probably. Yeah, I think so. Pig blood or something. That, that's not um, pig's blood. No, that's <laughs> oh, the that's Stephen scary. King movie. <laughs> Flash, Flash Bance is the one where Geist of St. Traft pulls on the thing and water falls on him. <laughs> <laughs> or or is that the one where Kevin Bacon brings Danson to a town where they aren't allowed to I, – I can't remember. So uh, you, just speaking of Flash though, they do seem like they're bringing a lot of Flash creatures back kind of into the into standard. We've got Snapcaster. We've got Restoration yeah. Angel. We've got Wolfier Avenger. Now this, you know, green to fairy-esque creature. We've got Fairy Invaders, uh, which is a, a common... Yeah, right, which is a spire monitor. Right. Three, three, flash flying for blue and four. Like, that, that's Shout awesome. out to Adam Prozac for, for spire monitor. I, I love Flash. It's one of my favorite mechanics. Cranny, I saw that you posted something on Twitter the other day about Flash being one of your favorite mechanics. I, did, I didn't know that. Um, yeah. It, well, super unfair. Mostly because, I mean, as somebody who really likes cubing, Flash always, like, it's, it's sort of, uh, is able to play the role of both a spell and a creature. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it's usually it's usually tacked on with like a secondary ability or like you know the creature is just ginormous and can block things, so it turns out that it can be a removal spell too. So I'm I'm always happy to see cards like um, any any creature with flash that's playable, and then any creatures that have abilities tacked onto them because I think that creatures are way more interesting than spells are um, most of the time, um, unless we're talking about a format like uh, like vintage or in some cases legacy where. Um, when they print creatures and they have good intentions to do it, AKA Gristlebrand, um, right. they don't end up, uh, being able to, they're, they're way better than their spell counterparts. And, uh, you know, like when you, when you print a card like Emrakul, there's just no other spell out there that is as powerful as a resolved Emrakul. And, uh, so like, while it was good intention, like, well, Hey, they're going to have to pay 15 mana and there's this shuffle clause. They can't reanimate it. So, you know, it's never going to come into play. That uh, people people will go out of their way to cheat these big idiots into play at all costs. So, um, but uh, do you mind if we, since we're kind of on the subject of legacy, I'd like to switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about the legacy portion of the open this past weekend. Yeah. Go um, well, we uh, we haven't yet seen. We're actually recording just slightly before uh, the top eight. We haven't yet seen that the top eight play out. But one thing that I've noticed uh, is the lack of. Um, well, at least a lack of discussion or lack of coverage of decks featuring uh, show and tell. Hmm. I was I was kind of expecting to see more show and tell, uh, at least uh, at least on camera, just because I think that's kind of like the the uh, the elephant in the room. We did see uh, reanimator deck. Christian Calcano was playing against, um, or not rather, not he wasn't playing against. He was playing against a uh, Grixis Delver list. Um, so it was, like, kind of cool to see these different lists that we haven't seen before. There was, like, a Grixis Delver, Esper, Reanimator, 
Um, you know, obviously we, we see lots of rug decks flying around and I, it was just kind of nice. Like after making the comment that I didn't want to watch another Delver mirror to turn on coverage and see like these really interesting decks. Um, so I wanted to talk about what, what do we expect the legacy metagame to look like at the invitational, given that the kinds of players that play in the invitational tend to gravitate toward blue based control decks. Do we think that we're going to see a lot of these dirty, you know, blue, white, you know, stone blade decks, which um, a lot of pros like Drew Levin has just said that they're just not good decks to be playing right now. Or do we think that we're going to see, you know, just attack of the show and tell? I, I, I lean towards attack of the show and tell uh, kind of, kind of thing going on because really legacy right now, uh, as opposed to a few months ago, it feels to me like legacy right now is all about, being all about the unfair decks. That's really what it comes down to. I mean, a few months ago, you saw like, you know, you have like Rug Delver, Maverick, Blue White Stone Blade. Like that was that was kind of the a, a good chunk of the metagame. And you know, there were occasional unfair decks. Obviously, Dredge is always around, and uh, you know, decks like that. You saw like Hive Mind uh, doing pretty well, but still. So it seems to me like recently it's all been the unfair decks. You've got Hypergenesis, you've got Dredge, as always, uh, you've got Attack of the Sneak and Show decks, you know, the Attack of the Show and Tell, Attack of the Show, however you want to, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, Sneak and Show, just all these kind of unfair decks doing really well, and um, I, I, it is kind of surprising to not see so much of that on camera today, but um, I, I, I would be surprised to not see several of those decks in the top uh, 16, if not the top eight. Yeah, and, and we also saw um, Belcher is is become quickly becoming like a really reasonable deck. I mean, we talked a lot on last week's show that Legacy is like kind of like this big shotgun format, and yeah. um, I just think that given given that we've seen typically a lot of blue based control decks, like what would be like if you were gonna if you're gonna show up tomorrow. What would you what would you want to play to to combat that? Like I, I personally think that we'll see more of that than anything else. So I'm probably going to take something that sort of deconstructs those kinds of decks. Like I'll, I'll probably take more of like maybe like Bug or um, so definitely something with Black, mm-hmm. and um, potentially might even just just run like Reanimator with eight main deck discard effects. Uh, yeah. because that the control decks just have a really hard time dealing with that. Um, and I also think reanimators is just really well positioned. Not a lot of people uh, are able to um, play the uh, play the graveyard game like after sideboard and in your boarding and show and tells. It's really hard to to fight that. So like I, I'm I'm really I, I'm like ninety percent sure that I'm probably going to play uh, reanimator. Mm-hmm. Um, but then part of me is. Um, is worried that like if players just decide to play a bunch of fair decks and have to play against Caracas all day because of all the Maverick players, that I'm not I'm not going to be as well positioned. So, any thoughts on that? Uh, well, you you named the two decks that I was going to name. So you well, you named Reanimator, which I think is just if you can get Gristlebrand into play, that's uh, I think you're you're on the right track. <laughs> um, but I think. I also like the idea of like a bug, yeah. kind of a bug control control deck, um, going with uh, maybe. Really, I just want to play scavenging ooze in the blue black control deck. 
yeah, scavenging ooze is is pretty pretty big game right now. It's uh, I mean, it, it has a surprisingly high amount of utility against a lot of the format, and especially if players sort of uh, uh, default back on Snapcaster based decks. Mm-hmm. And uh, or even like you know we saw Christian Calcano playing a Lingering Souls deck. That, I mean that's that card's obviously very good in that context. Um, also good against random you know Tarmogoyf decks. Right, and then you get the you get the discard the targeted discard to deal with some of those well the the unfair decks that you're very likely to see. So you can not only hose some you know reanimation kind of uh, shenanigans, but you can hose those you know show and tell sneak attack decks because. You know, uh, even you you get access to Vendillion Click, so you've, you've even got Flash Discard. You know, I, I, it just seems like uh, like a bug control deck designed specifically to target this sort of metagame could be really good. And I, I don't remember who said it, but it was an amazing point. Um, when you have all of these spells flying around, like... Um, Spell Pierce, and you even see cards like Flusterstorm, and 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 um, there's a lot of combos that rely on putting cards into play from your hand, like uh, Sneak Attack, Show and Tell. That the stock of Vendillion Click goes, goes up. way up, yeah. yeah, yeah. So like maybe there's a there's an opportunity to play like the old bug list that the only kill conditions were V Clicks and Jaces, and then everything else is just like you know removal and whatever and you and you're running like i guess you could run scavenging use slash term snapcaster if you you know if you want i like i i like snapcaster just being able to reuse some of that targeted discard you know thoughtsies or duress or inquisition more likely uh things like that i think i was gonna ask you what what would you play if you were if if i were playing well I think that a bug list that looks a lot like the original lists when snapcaster first came out that had unearth in it Mm mm-hmm um, I think that that would be good because that card's an instant army. Like you unearth your Snapcaster, which lets you, or you play Snapcaster, and you get to unearth your Tarmogoyf or your sna- or Scavenging Ooze or Vendillion Click, which, uh, when he, whichever of those you're playing. And then you get to reuse it later with another Snapcaster Mage. I think that that's that's a strategy that you can go deep with, with all of your Planeswalker control elements with Jace and Liliana and like things like Ghastly Demise and that kind of control deck. I would still play Maverick. I think Maverick is really well positioned. Um, because you're like if you're running the full four Thalias, uh, you should be running two Caracas main deck and you know up to four ways to get Caracas, probably two crop rotation in the sideboard, maybe three. Um, I think that that's a very important thing to do uh, to, to battle these decks because you know when you're playing because th- apparently there's just not an answer to a Knight of the Reliquary in this format. So uh, that's what I would play. People are not playing Swords to Plowshares. I mean, just, yeah, they just aren't playing it. It's very funny. Tundras, tundras are not popping up at all, and so anything that's bigger than a three-three just is is going to stay on the board. Rug has very few ways to to um, reasonably deal with Knight of the Reliquary being on the board. Yep. And, and the other card that I I kind of have my eye on that I'm I'm just not sure. I don't think it makes sense for the Envy, but if I was playing today, uh, what I would play is uh, crop rotation. I'm I really want to play crop rotation alongside. Um, either an aggro loam list that has access to Chalice of the Void um, in the main deck or to play it um, in a lands deck. Because I, I honestly, like, if you're not seeing decks like Ad Nauseam pop up, do you realize, like, how good Glacial Chasm yeah, is right lands now? is real good right now. 
I so, mean, the, the Agrolome deck, I think, is actually better. I think Agrolome might be the choice. Yeah, you just play Agrolome, and then you just play Tabernacle and Glacial Chasm. Your, your problem, like, of course, is still that your opponent has a Goblin Charbelcher every once in a while, but other than that... Yeah. And then, as far as, like, standard for the MV, I'm, I'm probably just going to be on um, the list that was similar to, or actually pretty close to... Um, Evan Wagstaff's Naya aggro list from last week. I thought that list was really good. No birthing pods? No, probably not. Like, I kind of like that um, that Lingering Souls ramp deck that took 10th um, right. on Saturday. Uh, I think that list is, is really interesting, but um, I know that I'm not going to be playing blue. I just, uh, I'm just not, I don't have a heart of the cards with that. From, like, the first iteration of those decks, when Todd Anderson was playing the Illusions deck, um, I won a few matches on, uh, on on Magic Online, and uh, and then I promptly just I just I just could not win with it, and I haven't been able to do much damage with Snapcaster decks, but I've had really good luck with pretty much every ramp list that I've been able to build. So I'll hopefully be able to to get some games in this week and see what what pans out. But uh, yeah, Legacy would be the one that I'm probably going to focus on more than anything, just because I. I just love the format. Any opportunity to be able to play it is uh, is good by me. And um, worst case scenario, if it doesn't work out, I'll be able to play in some winner boxes. And I actually I like my odds more on the legacy end than in standard, just because I know. I mean, you got to play to your strengths. I, I know more about the legacy format than I do on the whole on the standard format, um, either through detachment uh, of the format over the last couple weeks because of the you know dominance of delver uh or just because i like legacy but sounds that's fair. yeah that's the plan and then obviously uh try to get as much cubing in as i can um you know it's it's a it's a lot of magic I already got f- taken friday off it's three full days of magic and it's a seventy five thousand dollar prize pool like yep it's yeah, a bump in prize pool from the last time which was already insane right. that's huge that's like pro tour levels like it's oh, just yeah that's insane I think last uh, last invitational back in March, uh, based it, because it all depends on how many people show up, what the actual kind of like EV number breaks down breaks down to be. But um, Kibler, I think, said it was it's like a three hundred and fifty dollar EV. Yeah, it was three hundred and fifty dollars you know? per person. Yeah, it was just ridiculous, and that was when the completely absurd when the the prize pool was actually smaller. So right, and then since then, Pete Heffling has decided to just you know throw all the money. Yeah. <laughs> Which is awesome. Like it's, it is. It's, yeah. it's going to be insane. So, yeah, my weekend is going to be pretty busy, too. I will, of course, be in front of the camera. We're introducing a new feature um, at the Invitational called the Sideboard. The Sideboard is going to be a, a secondary uh, desk, basically. So your main announcers are going to be uh, in the booth, and then the secondary uh, space is going to be the sideboard where things like interview post-match interviews are going to mm-hmm. take place deck techs are going to take place uh interviews with people who are in the community that aren't necessarily playing for example we're going to have an interview with pete heffling because people want to want to hear what he has to say we're going to try and get eric klug on camera see what he uh, has to say about the uh, the alterist community we're going to get some other interesting people so uh and we're, we're striving to have no re previously recorded footage for the entire weekend. That's We're going to try and fill ridiculous. everything with content. That's, That's cool. insane. 
with with, with uh, lots of things that we're filming this week. I am I'm doing the newsening, uh, which will come out uh, next Monday, but or m- we might put it on during the Invitational. Uh, I'm also doing something called the Interviewsening, which is going to be a uh, which is the, a worse name than the newsening. I, I admit that, <laughs> but I like it, and, and that's going that's going to feature uh, several of the members of Team SCG Blue. And I'm going to ask them many of the pressing questions that an idiot has to think of. Um, And then, so that'll premiere. And then Evan has a magic show that will premiere during the Invitational. On this episode of the magic show, he will be revealing his uh, preview card, which uh, I have seen. And in my opinion, is the best preview card he's ever gotten. Wow. That's that's big big talk. He's He's got big game. Coming from a non-Evan Irwin person, person that's really impressive. Yes. Because <laughs> Evan thinks every Look, preview you, card he gets is the best exactly. preview card but, he's ever But gotten. if you say it every time, eventually it'll be correct. And that's I think right. this, time, this time it's right. I love so, Evan's enthusiasm. Uh, I'm, I'm, looking, you know? I'm looking forward to that. Um, we got. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of other footage that's going to be put on live. But we, the most exciting thing for me is to I'm going to be the anchor of the sideboard. While Matt and Jacob are pretty much going to take over the booth, I'm going to have, handle post-game interviews and analysis and, and uh, bracketology and things like that. So Nice. It sounds insane. Yeah. yeah I, I really can't wait to, uh, to check it out from home. I'll, I'll be watching from home, but uh, I'll at least have that perspective. Well, you know, from home might be the, the spot now. I mean, this is, we're, we're going whole hog with this, this, uh, this coverage, like from home might even just be better than being there. You can't see the magic show. If you're at the event, yeah. it's see- like, it's kind of like baseball. There's a lot of times where you just rather, yeah, you just stay rather at home watch, watch home. the game. than like, you know, be on like the third base, you know, nosebleed seats. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd much rather be at home watching a football game than uh, late November watching some college football thing that's like 30 degrees outside. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's I've said it before. Going to the actual, even like pro tours, you go to the pro tour and you're like, I don't, I don't even know what's going on. I need to look online exactly. to figure out what's happening because I'm. You know, in I'm in the hall and I'm not seeing what's happening. That's, that's uh, as well. what we're striving for, though. We're gonna have a good. It's gonna be a good show. Yeah, so it's exciting. <laughs> nice. Well, uh, I don't have anything else to add for this week. I'm I'm pretty excited to uh, to to get to Indianapolis and uh, and check out the happenings of the Invitational. Last year, I was really sick uh, at the last one, so I wasn't able to really to really experience it. In its before, before we go, before we go, how about how about we get some predictions? All right, so I'm I'm going to guess that JRT is going to take the whole thing. JRT has won one of these before, so it's not it's not too that's not too bad of a prediction. Hmm. Yeah, I would I would definitely I would say that he's going to take it, and I think that he's I think he's going to stick to his plan. I think he's going to play Delver, and I think he's going to play Drudge. Yeah, I'd like to look at a look at a list a little bit of like who's who's qualified. I'm trying to think who else uh, who else might be a good pick, but I, I like the pick of Jerry. Uh, he's he's you know kind of he's Jerry. And, he's certainly uh, proved that he's just every single tournament. Yeah, tournament, every single one he's going to be in the top. He's a force to be reckoned with. Every, exactly right. Every time, and he gets to uh, you know th- this is something that's become you know, the, the Open Series has become kind of a, a second home to him. Really, like he's totally comfortable. Just yep, you know everybody. Uh, you know, he, he works for Star City. He, everybody's that he's around, he kind of knows it's a comfort zone. And when you're in your comfort zone, you can probably play better than when you're out of your comfort zone. Exactly so, right. Uh, 
that's kind of uh, kind of cool. I like uh, I like that prediction. Um, I'm going to pick someone that has never top aided a Star City Open before. I like. I'm going to pick Brad Nelson. That's, that's a good pick. Yeah. I think that he can finally uh, finally break through and win a win win one of these things. I was thinking about Brad, but I I didn't. I kind of felt like he doesn't have the uh, the history on the Star City Open series. Yeah, he's he's never top aided a Star City Open. Yeah, he took tenth a few weeks ago. Yep. When they, yeah. But but he's a great player, and I think that he'll be able to. I mean, it's only a matter of time before he top eights a Star City Open, and then he'll top eight all of them for the rest of his life. I think that he's gonna. I think that he can break through. He just has to hit his stride. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. And by me thinking he can break through, I think he's playing dredge. <laughs> that was a bad pun. I apologize. All right, Joey, what do you think? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm actually right now looking for a list of some players that that are qualified. But you know who I keep thinking about is my mind keeps going to Calcano. Uh, Calcano. Yeah. He won the GP a little while ago. He seems to be kind of. You know, running fairly hot. He played like Panda Control in Standard yesterday. I saw his uh, his like uh, deck tech kind of thing. Um, yeah. I don't know how well he ended up doing, but I mean, he he didn't play blue in his deck, so I mean, obviously he wasn't really in it to win it. Right. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, there's lots of good choices of people who are qualified. I mean, you know, Nick Spagnola came in second at the last one. Uh, Kenny Caster is going to be there. He t- he got second at Indianapolis in Legacy. So, I mean, clearly he's a very, very good player. Reed Dave, Duke is going to be there. Reed Duke's great. Dave Shields. Dave Matt Shields. Costa, both of yep. those guys just top uh, ben, ben Friedman will be there. I mean, there's a ton of good players. I think Matt Costa is a good pick. Yeah. For sure. You know, I'm going to go with the hometown boy, Ben Friedman. Sure. Uh, he top eighted the last Invitational, uh, and um, yeah, he's he's a guy I've seen him kind of grow up from like a little kid playing uh, playing back during like when when Cold Snap was in Standard playing like the Life Game deck. What was it the uh, with with Sacred Mesa and uh, what's why can't I think of the card? Is it Mar- you're talking Mart- about Martyr of Sands? Martyr yeah. Of Sands. yeah, he was playing Martyr of Sands. I, <laughs> God, it was I was playing Fairies and he'd play Martyr of Sands and it was just unbearable because we'd never get to game two. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so it's really great to see him, you know, breaking out over the past year or so, and I hope to see him uh, do well. So I, I like that pick. Yep, good pick. Nice. Uh, I want to shout out at Rummaging Goblin, uh, just to because <laughs> in contention called it three points for us. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. get a one-one looter. We were off by the casting cost just barely. Yeah, it just changed in de- uh, development. That must have been it. Probably, I bet. I bet it changed. In de- they saw that we predicted, and they were like, "We can't print it as it is. We have to change it." <laughs> and the last minute print update because of the podcast. I like yep, it. that's exactly right. Um, well, you can follow all of us on Twitter. I am at KStube, K-S-T-U-B-E. Ruben is at MoxRuby, M-O-X-R-E-U-B-Y. And Joey, I always mess it up, but you are at Affinity for Blue. That's right. Is that correct this time? <laughs> I always say Affinity for Islands, but it's just not Affinity for Islands. It, does, it, it would be if it fit. You know, <laughs> if it fit. In and um, you can follow the show podcast at In Contention. And um, we definitely wanted to uh, give a big thank you to Lauren Lee, Evan Irwin, and Pete Hoffling for giving us the opportunity to uh, to be the, the podcast for yep. Star City Games. Uh, at, at Star City Games on Twitter. Also at SCG Live to follow tournament coverage. Yeah. So until next week, 
we are in contention. 